Check your heart. Does anyone know John Chris? He is hilarious. He is a comedian and a Christian, and uh, he has come up with this. It's kind of kind of taken over, this hashtag check your heart. Um, I wanted to share a story from yesterday about this, but today is a new day. And I was on my way to church this morning, and have you ever um, thought about, have you ever been in those situations where you say something or you do something, and you're like, where in the world did that just come from? Do you know what I'm talking about where you're just like, huh, did that just come from me? I was on my way to church this morning after preach prepping and praising Jesus and praying, and I get in my car, and this little white Honda Civic right in front of me just wants to go 38 and a 40. And I'm, mind you, like, I'm like, I gotta get to church to preach. Like, hurry up. Literally out of my mouth, I'm like, go. Go 40. And then I remembered what I was preaching on. I was like, oh, check your heart. And I realized it's because out of that overflow, I was actually kind of running late this morning. And when you're running late, all of a sudden, and then you try to get on the road, and I'm not sure if we can continue to always be saved when we're driving. I'm just really trying to work through this, but I'm joking. Please do not. I'm joking. <laughs> but whenever I'm doing that and you have to work through, why, why did I respond that way? Well, I was running late. If I was early, would I have been so upset? The other day, I actually live in a new-build community, and there's these times where, one, it comes out of us, but have you ever happened where you're around people and you're like, excuse me? Where did that come from? Where someone else does this, and I was trying to pull out of my garage, and I actually live right next to the sales office because it's a new community, and I'm trying to back up, and I realize there's actually a car parked behind my, my driveway. So I had to check my heart. I already knew what I was preaching on, so I checked my heart. I'm like, okay, Lord, um, help me go and talk to these people in a very nice way. I need a Jesus like major in that moment. So I walk in there and I say, excuse me, um, is this your vehicle? Would you mind moving it? Uh, yeah, it's mine. Oh, 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 okay. I was like, all right. I was like, Lord, help me, help me, help me. I was like, could you just mind moving it about like a foot forward so I could get out of my, my driveway? And he's just like, why don't you go tell the Amazon guy to move? What does the Amazon guy have anything to do? Like, are you not hearing what I'm asking of you? And he says, where's your car? And I go, right there. I was like, right there. He goes, oh, you live here. (sighs) Yeah. I said, yes, sir, I live right here, and I just need to get out because I don't want to hit your car. He's just like, oh, fine. So he gets in his car, and he moves, and, like, the salespeople are like, I'm so sorry, Allie. And I'm like you know, trying to be Jesus to people, just like, you know, like that's all I can muster. The crazy thing is that his words to me, oh, you live here, stuck in my mind for hours. I'm like, do I not look like I could live here? Like, what is it that his words hit me so hard? His way, his attitude, whatever he was going through that day, I inconvenienced him, and I think maybe because he knew he wasn't supposed to park there is why he responded that way. But hey, I'm not, I'm not the Lord. So <laughs> I'm trying to work through him and give him grace. But sometimes other people's words stick on us. Out of the overflow of their heart. 
And actually, these words are so powerful. Words have power. And I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to speak on? And it was a couple weeks ago before we kind of knew some things, and it was out of the overflow is actually what he said. And we were actually starting a new series today called Red Letters. Now, these are the words of Jesus. In our Bibles, if you look through in some of our translations, the words of Jesus are in red. They're red letters. These words have weight to them. This Bible right here is the God— This is God breathed. Every word of this matters. But Jesus himself, the red letters, the word himself, John 1, 1 says, the word in the beginning was the word. That's Jesus. And the word became flesh. These are the word's words. These are the creators of words, words that we are going to be diving into. That's the weight of what we have. And Jesus, these red letters, these words are full of hope and of mercy, of redemption, of justice. These words are powerful and they weigh a lot. So when we see these red letters, remember who is speaking. Our words have power. And I think that's what Jesus wants to remind us of today. Our words have power. Our words matter. So we're going to go into Luke 6, verses 43 through 45. And it reads like this. No good tree bears good, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. So people do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings Good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Lord, be with us today. Out of the overflow of everything that you've already worked through in my mind, but Lord, out of everything that's going on in our own hearts right now, Lord, I bring this passage to you, your own words. Let it minister to us and show us and convict us and comfort us, Lord. In this time as we dive in, Jesus, it's yours. In your name, amen. Amen. And another thing that I love about this passage is I actually flipped over to Matthew. So in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these are the gospels that are very, have a very— They have similar stories within them. And in Matthew 12, Matthew, the tax collector, is actually writing this to um, the Jewish believers. And it reads almost the same, but watch how it adds to it. It says, "Um, make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. I love that. Um, It's the Pharisees, but not me, so that's why I love it. (laughs) How could you say you, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. I think there's times we just need to let the weight of Scripture move in our hearts. 
I was on vacation a couple years ago, and uh, I was so excited. I was with a friend, and we were just watching. We were at a hotel, but then we were like, okay, what do we want to do today? We just wanted to watch TV because, hey, cable. I don't have cable. Um, And so we just decided to watch TV. And what was on all day was this marathon of a reality TV show that I always, like, wanted to be watching, but I didn't have cable. So I sat there all day in a hotel room and watched this reality TV show. I kept up with all of it, if you get that. So um, whenever I was watching it, there's this thing that happens. Whenever you're watching TV, you kind of zone out, right? A lot of times we just use TV to kind of just rest and relax. And after many hours, unfortunately, many hours, we decided to go get dinner. We drive in, and I was in the passenger seat. And this TV show, mind you, is not the best TV show. Is why I'm not telling you exactly what it is. <laughs> I mean, let me be real. And I don't even know if I should be telling this story, so we'll see how this one goes. <laughs> but, I mean, they are a, they're hilarious, but they also cuss so much. I mean, it's like bleep, 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 bleep. And, you know, anytime you can have a bleep, you might as well just say whatever, right? And uh, don't do that, kids. I'm joking. Um, but that's what happened is it's funny or they're mad or they're just in the middle of a conversation and they're, they're speaking this way. This is the show I chose to watch on vacation. I get to dinner. We're in the car. I'm in the passenger seat and we are about to drive in and get El Pollo Loco because what's vacation without a little El Pollo Loco? And uh, this woman, so we're driving and this woman is on the curb. And we're driving this way, and she literally steps out in front of us. And you know what I did? Bleep! (laughs) I know, I shouldn't be saying this in a sermon. Okay. (laughs) But I literally, and the person next to me just goes, what? They started laughing. They were uncontrollably laughing because it's not something I just naturally, like, do. And they're just like, where in the world did that just come from? And I was like, what just happened to me? Like, who took over my body? Like, I don't say that thing. And all of a sudden, I realized, guess where I had spent my whole day? My guard down. Just taking in all this information as if it's just entertainment. This doesn't this isn't matter in the grand scheme of life. I'm just relaxing. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. The overflow of your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And I would say your actions as well. But he says, out of the mouth, it will speak. And I didn't guard my heart. I wasn't guarding my mind in that day. I was just letting anything come in. And this saying, you know, that people say a lot, follow your heart. That is the worst. Don't say it anymore. That is the worst advice you could ever give someone, especially to single people. Okay, just like stop telling us that. It's just the worst. (laughs) Follow your heart. It's follow after Christ. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand it? We have to guard it. It is deceitful. The world is trying to do and create 
desensitized. That's the word I'm looking for. This desensitization where we're just like, this isn't, this is fine. This is okay information to have in my life. Now, I'm not saying that we can't watch certain things, and I'm not saying that we, we need to filter through the lens. We need to guard our hearts. But on the opposite side of just not letting everything in, guarding your heart doesn't mean build up a wall. And that's a lesson I've had to learn very recently, over and over and over again, actually. That's what I tend to do, is I start to build up walls because I don't want to get hurt or, like, just don't even go there. And actually, that's what happens between societies. We're like, mm, nope, I'm not going to go there. I don't want to go there because what happens is, is when we have to start to sift through the good and the bad and the good and the bad, that takes work, that takes diligence, and sometimes it's painful, but it is worth it. To guard it, to watch over it diligently, everything we're putting into it. In volleyball, I coach volleyball. I don't know if you guys knew that. I coach volleyball, and there's this rule, and I love this rule. It's the best rule. It's called the 24-hour rule. If you are a teacher, you should probably put this into place. Um, pastors definitely should. The 24-hour rule is that after a game or a practice or an incident happens, they have to wait 24 hours before they can reach out to me and talk to me about it. 24 hours. So if their player, if their kid didn't get enough playing time or they didn't like how my strategy was, they had to wait 24 hours before they could say anything to me. I was at a Christian school, so this, the whole point of this was to have 24 hours of prayer and seeking, like, is, am I in the right? Am I in the wrong? Maybe they came at it from a different way. Pray over the conversation. How do I word it? How do I do these things? Now, imagine if Twitter had a 24-hour rule. I don't, actually, Twitter wouldn't exist. I'm pretty, I'm pretty positive if people couldn't just, like, go at each other all of the time. But there's so much power in our words. And yet we have our phones to be able to just send off whatever we want through text, through email, through comments and reviews. The moment we think of it, we send it. But we have to go back to understanding the weight and the power of words. Words matter because they reflect the heart of the matter. God, go back all the way to Genesis 1, one of my favorite stories, to be honest. And God is out there, and you know what he does? He speaks life into existence. He says, it is good. He said, let there be light, let there be land, let there be water, let there be fish in the sea and birds in the sky. He speaks them into existence. God speaks life. He speaks things that are good. This is the God that we serve. So when we see his words, we can actually know his heart. Then Genesis 3 happens, of course, and we're in the garden, and the, the serpent, which is the devil, comes up and speaks to Eve and Adam. And what does he do with God's words? He twists them. He distorts them because he knows that God's true words speak so much truth in life that he has no ability to come against it. So what he can do is try to trick people along the way. Did God really say? Did he really mean that? Did he really mean that he loves you all the time? Did he really mean that you're worthy and you're worth it? This is the enemy. This is the father of lies. 
He cannot tell the truth. He cannot. It's actually out of his ability to tell the truth, but what he does is try to get it so close to the truth that we can't differentiate what's going on. We have to have the wisdom and the vision and the heart of God in us to be able to sift through the things that we're receiving. World news, fake news, everywhere. (laughs) The enemy is on the prowl. How many times a week do we hear that phrase, fake news? Literally, it should just say lies. We're lying, we're lying. And here's the deal is that not all of it is a lie. A lot of it comes from this kernel of truth with someone else's emotions instead of truth thrown into it from all sides. I am not pointing side to side. This is what's happening in our world, and actually we are being a part of this, where our emotions are so high and rampant that we can't even differentiate who's telling us the truth and who's not, and we're only listening to 10-second tidbits to say, this is where I stand. We can't do that with the scriptures either. This, is, this thing is context. This thing is cultural. This thing will move lives. But we have to be in it all the time to be able to have the good heart, that stuff that needs to flow out of the heart. It's in this thing. It's in here. And sometimes we're wondering how do we get it. What happens is is when we don't know the truth that's in here, that love your neighbor, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all of your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself, that changes the way we speak to each other. What's happening in our world is that we're starting to push people aside and we start to separate everybody. We don't even know who our neighbor is. Have you ever been in that argument where you're just like, you get to the point where you're like, I need space. Like, oh, like, don't touch me, you know? Um, that's kind of where, what happens in our relationships and in the anger that's going on in our media. That it's like, mm, nope, don't touch me. Okay, there's space. So what happens is we hurl words. Whatever we're feeling, whatever we're feeling, because then it creates space, separation. The more separated we are, the more isolated we are, the more vulnerable we are to the enemy's attacks. We are made for community. We are given the ministry of reconciliation. That is the words we're supposed to be speaking in the culture that seems to want to put labels and identify everybody in these little spaces and say, stay there. We have to be different in the church. One body. One. One body. And I know this isn't the funnest message you've ever heard. But I believe that God wants us to speak on this because it's critical to where we are right now as a church. It is absolutely critical. Words have the power to speak life or death. Good and evil. And we don't like to pin that, ooh, good and evil. Like, just always think of superhero movies, which totally get that. I'm all about the superhero life. The most common thing in literature is actually pinning good versus evil. But guess what? We have it right here. God wins in the end. 
We already know. You wonder why we always love watching superhero movies? Because we get to see the good guy beat the bad guy. And if it doesn't, if it looks like it's not working out in the end, it's because the good guy hasn't won yet. And I think that's the culture that we're in. Sometimes it seems so evil, but that's because the end has yet to come. There's a day when he's coming back. And you know what's going to be on his robe? It's going to say, word of life. Jesus, the word, he speaks life. That's the hope we have. This is the hope that we can know. And it fills our heart and transforms us. In James 3, it kind of speaks about this, uh, the, the, about the tongue. And it says that this bit in a horse, which I've never, I've literally, what, I've been on a horse like three times in my life. I don't know what I'm talking about, but it's in the Bible. So the bit is in the horse. <laughs> no, but you can actually train the horse of where to go because of the bit that's in its mouth. The rudder on a large ship, the largest ship, can steer it wherever it's going. A flicker of a flame can set a whole forest ablaze. So is the same with the tongue. So is the same with the tongue. And James 3, 9 through 12, it goes on to say, With the tongue we praise our Father, our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. I'm talking to me. You know how much I had to be on my face this week before preaching this message? (laughs) Even this morning. And that's the miracle of preaching, is that God uses broken people to bring his word. And I'm so humbled by that. These are people made in God's likeness. When we speak words, we're speaking to people made in God's likeness from the very beginning of time. All male and female are created in God's likeness. Our brothers and sisters. My dad does this, uh, well, I don't know if he'll do it anymore now that I'm so old, but um, whenever we were growing up, the three girls, there's three, there's four of us, so it's three girls, and my brother's the youngest, and the girls actually, whenever we wanted to date someone, my dad had to take the guy out to lunch or something. Um, I don't know what they did really, so I'm just going to pretend it's lunch. Um, No, they went out to lunch, and so they had to get permission before it could be official that, you know, that they, that my dad says, okay. So I asked my dad finally, so he's done this a couple times in my life, and the most recent one, I finally had the courage um, to ask him what actually happens on those lunches, and he said, Well, first of all, I get to know him and have him know us and how our family values are. And um, then he's like, and I make sure that they know that I'm your protector until the day I hand you over in marriage. And I don't think he knew that you'd be protecting me this long, but it's okay. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, 
But he said, you know, I also tell them a little bit about you. So they kind of know what to expect. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm trying to date the guy, Dad. Like, please don't. And he said, I said, so what did you say? And he goes, well, I told him you're very passionate. If you guys didn't pick up on that. I'm very passionate. Um, you're a leader. You like, you have to have somebody that can stay with me. Or else I'm like, bye. You know, I just, I'm like that. And then he said, and he's like, and I also share some things that, you know, maybe they should be aware of. And I was like, oh, Dad. So I said, what was that? And he said, he, he struggled before he said this, but he said, he said, you have the ability to make people feel this small with your words. And of course I thought, wow, I know, I'm awesome. Like, <laughs> I'm so clever. Like, I can just like shoot you right back. Like, I should have been a lawyer. What was I doing with my life? And um, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing because as I worked through it, this deflection that I always had was because I was filled with shame, with guilt, with not living the life that I knew that God had called me to. I had lived my life away from the Lord for a few years, and although I was still in church on Sundays, I did not act as such. And even in the midst of that, all those labels that were put on me by others, the labels I put on myself, I didn't want people to see that. I didn't want anyone to see that. So what happens is when people use their words against me, or even just to say, hey, Allie, why don't you? I think that they're literally tearing me down because I'm deflecting any type of truth. I'm shooting arrows back because I don't want to see or deal with a thing going on inside of me. I used words to speak death. It sounds harsh, but that's what was going on. I tried to put them down. And I realize what comes out of the heart will come out of the mouth, out of the overflow. Out of the overflow. The power to speak life or speak death. But what I needed was a heart change. I didn't need just some behavior modifications. Go to church, do this, don't do that, don't say that, don't listen to that, don't watch that reality TV show, Allie. That's not what I needed. What I needed was a new heart. Not behavior modification, but heart transformation. In Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, I will give them a new heart and a new spirit in you and take out your heart of stone and put in flesh. It can happen in a moment. This is good news. The news of the gospel. This news is for everyone. And sometimes it can sound exclusive, but actually it's the most inclusive thing we have. He came and died for all of us. It's up to us if we opt in. The good news of our Savior. He met with this woman at the well in John 4. She came with her labels, Samaritan, woman, divorced five times, living with the man that she was dating or seeing, I don't know how to work back then, 
in those days, and she had to come out because she didn't even come out with anyone else from her community. She came out to the well at noon in the middle of the day when no one else would be there. But Jesus was. And Jesus said, give me a drink of water. (laughs) She's like, who are you? Are you a prophet? And then he told her everything that she'd ever done. And then he said, I am the Messiah. He told her that right after listing what she had done. He's like, I see your labels, but guess what? I am the Messiah. I have living water for you. Why are you listing your things? You think that you are not able to come to the cross because of this, this, and that, that you can't be speaking to me, but I actually have living waters that will flow through you and actually change your community. She became, so when she hears this, she puts down her thing of water of which she came for because she received the living water, which she had no idea she was missing out on. And she ran and told the community, a woman, an evangelist going and telling her community of what he had just done. Could this be the Messiah? And they believed on account of her testimony. The power of your words. We overcome by the power of our testimony. And then they came out to see Jesus, and then they believed because they heard Jesus. And they said, truly, he is the Savior of the world. Go and tell the good news. The good news of Calvary. Jesus' own words when he was sitting there, and I know we're taking communion today, and he's in the upper room with the disciples. And he he shows them how to take communion. This, This body that was broken for you. The blood that's poured out for you. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying all night because he knows what's coming. The cross is coming. And he knows it. And so he goes and he is praying and he is praying and he is praying. And I believe, I don't know how you rank Jesus' words, but I will tell you, not my will, but your will be done, Father. Those words changes everything. He was praying that the Lord would take the cup from him. He didn't want to have to suffer all of those things, but what he wanted more was to be in eternity with all of us. So he was willing to walk the road of the cross. Not my will, but your will, Lord. And he's hanging on a cross and he says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And at the end he says, it is finished. Jesus' words. He speaks life. He speaks forgiveness. He speaks hope. He speaks love. So as we close today and the band comes back up, I just want to ask you a few things. You know, in Scripture, it actually says um, when we're to partake in communion, we should reflect on our own heart. To not go into it hastily. What are these things in our own heart? What are these things that we're storing up in our heart? A conversation, maybe, that needs to be had in our lives. 
I had to, I had to go and have a conversation just so I could preach. <laughs> so like, I can't have you guys do this without me going and doing it. And it's not easy. But you guys, it blocks us. It blocks the flow. I, I really believe it's kind of like a dam. Like wherever, whatever you're storing up here, it's like water is wanting to push through it. But it's like, no, what are we afraid of? I'll tell you one thing. I've been afraid of the words of other people. I've been afraid to speak truth in a world that doesn't like to hear it. I have not been standing my ground as I should be because I'm afraid of what other people are going to say. And you know what? A lot of it has because, is because I'm afraid of what other people in the church are going to say. To lift each other up, that's what we should be doing with our words to speak life. Sending an encouraging text, sending an encouraging email, telling somebody that you're thinking of them, that is speaking life. That is the image of the creator. These are ways that we can practically do this. But before coming and taking part in communion, where we remember what Christ has done for us, the breaking of the body and the spilling of the blood for our sins, for our hearts to be made good, not evil. We should stop and ask the creator to reveal to us some of those things that maybe we should be dealing with. To not come hastily, but to ask him for forgiveness for those things. You know, David says, I believe Psalm 139, it says, and the unintentional sins. Well, that's a different one. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Psalm 19. There you go. He says, cleanse me of my unintentional sins and keep me from intentionally sinning. And we don't want to call it sin. We don't want to call sin, sin, good and evil. We don't want to use those words because they sound too harsh. But what happens is, is when we stop using those words, especially in the church, the power of the cross loses that dynamic because we're saying we are all sinners and we need Jesus. But if we keep saying we're okay, you're okay, and if you find Jesus, that's your truth, that's okay. It is life and death. This is the power of the cross to bring life and we have to repent of our sins. Repent of those places in our hearts. And if he has given you that new heart, then we ask the Holy Spirit to come in and cleanse us, that living water flowing through us. Cleanse our heart again, Lord. Cleanse it again and again and again, daily, hourly, if you're like me. To renew that steadfast spirit within us. Because we need that steadfast spirit within us to run the race marked out for us the good news of the gospel. So I'm going to just give 30 seconds or so. We'll see. And just think, I know that silence can be awkward for people, but I watched, you know, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor this week? And Mr. Rogers used to do it just for a minute on a clock, just watching TV. So I'm going to do it in church. (laughs) 
just to take that space. Silence is the one thing that is lacking in our society. So what I want to do is actually give you that space now. Before we walk out and before it gets loud again. To ask the Lord to show us. Or maybe you might need to take out your phone and text somebody right now. I'm giving you permission from up here to go text someone while I'm preaching. (laughs) To say that you're thinking of them. To say, hey, I'm sorry about that. Can we talk later? It needs to be dealt with now. (laughs) Not later. These things need to be dealt with now. In, In this moment, And I believe that the Lord has good things in store because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. Let's speak life. So let's take a minute and then we'll continue on to communion. Lord, we come before you with open hands. Cleanse us and wash us, Lord, of these things, God. Let us not move so hastily that we miss the people in front of us that we need to speak life to. the bridges we might need to gap or the phone call we might need to make. Lord, let the weight of your word, nothing that I've said, but the weight of your word rest upon us. May it convict us, Lord. Lord, we we ask repentance, repentance from the words that we have spoken, that were careless and idle. Lord, forgive me for doing that. Wash us, Lord, in this time. Forgive us and then renew your steadfast spirit within us. Replace it with peace and love and joy and hope the fruit of the Spirit in our lives evident in the world that so desperately needs Jesus. We come before you, Lord, as we enter into a time of a communion. We just praise you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. And if you would stand with me. We're going to continue this time of prayer worship. Um, And what we have here is the elements of communion. Um, And logistically, we go down the side aisles, and then you will return right back up through the middle aisle. And you'll just take the bread and dip it, or there's actual cups up here too if you would like to take it that way. But this is in remembrance of what Christ did for us on the cross. 
And the night that he was betrayed, he was in the upper room with his disciples, as we spoke about earlier. And in Luke 22, 19, 20, he took the bread. And when he gave thanks, this is Jesus, he broke it and he gave it to him. And these are Jesus's words. This is my body, which is given for you, for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this is the cup that is poured out for you. This is a new covenant in my blood. And we believe that if you believe in Jesus and you've asked him into your life, that anyone is welcome to partake in communion. But I do want to put this out there. If you do not know Jesus as your savior, the word says, to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. There's something about speaking it that makes the enemy shudder. There's something about praising him that makes the enemy shudder. There's something about our words that makes the enemy shudder. That's why we profess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. So if that's you today, and you believe in your heart, I just... I want to speak with you afterwards or speak with someone next to you. I'll be waiting right over here if anyone wants to come and confess that we've made this decision today because it is the best decision of your life. I tried the middle ground for way too long and I was exhausted and worn out. Jesus said, follow me. You know it's true. You know it's real and I will sustain you. And he has every day since. And actually, before I even knew it, he is pursuing after you and he is relentless. And I'm believing that in Jesus' name. So let's celebrate together with a partaking of communion. So Lord, bless this time. Bless these elements. May it wash our souls and our minds and just know that your blood cleanses us white as snow. And you empower us with the Holy Spirit to live this thing out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Partake.